Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Beat podcast. The mission of our podcast is to show the real-life challenges of implementing technology in healthcare. And the podcast is sponsored by Demigas, a company that develops IT solutions for healthcare startups and companies. And you can check more on demigas.com. My name is Ivan Dunsky, your host as always, and I'm joined by a guest with an interesting background, Jeffrey Rovia-Sadburin. Jeffrey is the CTO at Pulse Medica. It's a medical device platform that enables effective and non-invasive treatment of various eye diseases. Jeffrey trained as a computer engineer with the PhD in medical image processing, and in the last 15 years, has developed deep expertise in medical device software development. And before Pulse Medica, he helped multiple companies to bring their medical devices to the market. Jeffrey, thank you for joining. How are you today? I'm doing good. Pleasure to be with you today. Okay, let's start with a brief explanation what Pulse Medica does and like what products you create. Yeah, we, as you said already, we are developing a large platform for the new generation of eye disease treatment. I like to say that currently a lot of treatments for eye disease based on lasers are, are really surgeon dependent because the surgeon is driving the laser mostly manually with some help. But the technology we are developing is leaving a computer drive laser and mostly partly automate or automate targeting of some location in the eye to treat them with the laser at the end with more accuracy more repeatability for the doctor and at the end also increase the volume of patient a doctor can treat in a day Mm -hmm. okay and so the technology already works in the market right no, no, we, we are currently in a development phase. We have just recently received authorization from Health Canada because we are based in Canada for first trial for, with one of our device. We expect that we will be in a process of developing the technology probably for the next 24 months at least. But on the way of the, on this road, we will probably have one or two products, but not necessary for treatment, more for diagnosis proposed, because we have huge machine learning team working also on planning process. But for the first treatment device, we expect probably to go on the mar- on the first trial in uh, 2018, 24 months, and for the product uh, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. And uh, I'm not really familiar with the medical device production cycle. My experience more on the software development side. So could you please educate us on what was the approach of developing the device and how you enabled machine learning? At what stage did you start the software development? So just to elaborate on the, the whole like pro- product life cycle. Yeah, this is important to understand that the Pulse Medica product is a large variety of technology. We are developing the device all completely from scratch, meaning that we have some optical engineer on board developing all the optical support. We have electronics, firmware, we're embedded software to a machine learning team. 
The life cycle of the product is basically trying to move most as in parallel as possible for all the components of the device. But it is sure that on some aspects, some software pieces can go to the market faster. We need to think about that some, all the hardware is probably a little bit trickier or more difficult in terms of approbation. Just thinking about all the electrical safety, you know, you need to comply on a lot of electrical standards and rely on external vendors to do some audit on your product. And this kind of process is taking long and can be done only on the final, final product because it's costly. It takes time and it is costly, meaning that you will not do that in multiple times during your development. You will do it only when the final version will be ready. Um, this is why this aspect of hardware can take a little bit longer than, for example, only a software because just the software itself, you compile your software, deploy your software, do your verification and validation and you are mostly ready to go. And uh, do you go through the clinical trials period? Yeah, we, we are starting now a clinical trial for our first device on a limited number of patients. This is a first trial for on 60 patients in Canada. We are already envisioning another larger trial, probably US-based, in the next uh, 12 to 18 months. In this case, we are looking, the sample size is not totally defined for now. It's probably a question of 500 to 2,000 patients distributed between five to 10 sites in the United States. And in probably around 24 months, we would like to do a first pilot study on our treatment device that will be, in this case, a way limited number of patients, probably few patients just to demonstrate a proof of concept of the technology on in the real life and would that be enough to after that period that you will have some first version of the product that you will be ready to launch for some aspect of diagnosis devices we can be probably ready to go to the market in this case but for the treatment device, it will not be enough of data to say that we can convince ourselves and also DA or any other regulator that the device is safe and efficient to go to the market. Mm -hmm. And for the treatment device, how long do you anticipate that this verification period will last? Depending on the result we will get, the, but it's a question of probably a year, a year and a half to, to do that. The, mm -hmm. the risk, uh, we need to think about that. The, the risk for the patient is, is a way higher. It is always depending of the, of the patient risk. More the risk of the patient is large, bigger is the verification and validation plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, understood. And what part of the whole product, this software, place i mean like is it something that is just a support that plays a supportive role in the whole product or it is it is much bigger than that i will say that it is a, a large pieces of the pulse medical technology a large piece of what we are doing is software the know-how of the company and uh, i will say the the big quality of the of what we are developing is really related to the the software we are currently developing
Mm -hmm. So is your focus more on the device part or on the software part? Both at the same time, because yeah. it is sure that we need some cutting edge technology to take images for the kind of technology we are developing. But at the same time, we need to extract all the information in real time from this data that require a lot of development in terms of image processing and machine learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. And so you mentioned the eye diseases. Could you please celebrate what categories of diseases device will help with? Yeah, it, it is a question of uh, at first application. The, what we are looking for is something that will be able to be applicable for a lot of disease going to dry MD, glaucoma, and retina surgery. The first application and where we would like to do a proof of concept is really related to photocoagulation for retinopathy, diabetic retinopathy. Uh, that means uh, doing some kind of photocoagulation on the retina. This is the first application we are targeting. Why this application? Because it fits well with the, the kind of images we would like to do. We have also already developed a lot of pre-planning things around that with machine learning. This is, and we see that it can be a good treatment for the patient to avoid monthly injection and have a better life for patients. The, the idea is to, to help the doctor because the, the machine learning can do two things. We have one aspect of the machine learning that is taking care of speeding up the doctor process. If the doctor has to select 100, 200 points on a patient retina, it can be a really long job and take a long time for the doctor and cost money at the end to do that. This is one aspect, speeding up the doctor process. But the other thing we would like to do is also to be able to predict the evolution of the patient, mm -hmm. the patient disease to help the doctor to select the right treatment for this patient. Or se selecting the right treatment is, it can be at some point no treatment. If the, the patient, the doctor realized that based on the data that this, the disease of the patient will not evolve so much, and this is not necessary to treat. You need to keep in mind that treating with photocoagulation laser the retina of a patient is partly destroying the retina on some specific location. And if you don't have to treat, this is probably better for the patient. But a lot of those patients need treatment to slow down the evolution of the disease. Yeah, so basically it will help to decide to be more sure, right, whether a patient needs treatment or not. Exactly. On, on some, and retinopathy is one of the treatment, but we are targeting some other pathologies that where the doctor, this is difficult now for the doctor to make a decision of intervention or no intervention. And we would like to help them to give the idea of machine learning is to give a, a longer, a longer perspective about the data of the patient and history of the, of the patient. So does it mean that you look in your machine learning algorithm, you look through like bigger data, amounts of data for a specific patient, right? Rather than comparing into to other patients with the similar cases. We do both. 
we do both. We, we are able to look at the data on a single patient from uh, historical imaging of the patient, but we are also able to include, okay, what about our doctor have treated those patients with similar pathology in other cases, and what was the result, and also this for a large database. Mm-hmm. In this case, you understand that it's not just analyzing images. This is more than analyzing images. This is also going in doctor notes or clinical data more than inside of EMR, for example. It is interesting. Is it a way to evaluate how machine learning suggestion is accurate? Because I think that on the negative side of things, it can bias the doctor decision. So uh, what do you think about that? It is exactly a big challenge and only experience and evaluation across clinical data or clinical trial can really give a good advice about that. It is sure that we can do some retrospective evaluation saying that okay, I'm blindly used this patient that I already know the treatment, but I'm not using the recent treatment and I'm stopping at time, for example, my analyzing at time zero, but I'm just looking at minus one, two, three for training or evaluating this patient and look at, okay, in reality, this patient has already already be treated and okay, and the system say exactly the truth according to this, the real life of this patient. But this is really difficult to do that. And this is why some regulators like FDA are still questioning this kind of thing and know that the, these kind of things present some challenges. Yeah, because, you know, that is kind of, maybe on the moral side of things or on the decision-making side of things. So when a doctor makes a decision, that is his responsibility, right? Now with the machine learning algorithm, who is, who is responsible for that? Obviously, maybe there is a doctor, but... Yeah, but, but the device is driving the doctor or helping driving the, this, uh, the doctor decision. You are totally right. This is, this is a big challenge. Yeah. And you mentioned that you have optical engineers in your team. So could you please tell us, I assume that it's quite challenging to hire those specialists. That is the labor market of engineers is quite hard. And I I assume that as for the optical engineers, it is much more difficult than just average engineers. So what, what is your approach? What are your thoughts on hiring your team and uh, yeah, basically how, how you do that. You are totally right. Hiring engineers is currently a big challenge, not for just for us, but for everyone. Mostly now we are currently looking for software engineers. This is challenging. Optical engineers are also challenging. How we overcome that? Basically, we are a really open company. We are open to recruit mostly around the world to hire the best engineer as, as possible. But we, we have chance to have also locally, some locally in terms of in the West of Canada, having a really great institution to train engineers, mostly optical engineer. We are based in Edmonton, Alberta, where we have excellent university there in optic. 
that's really helpful. There are some other great universities in Ontario training this kind of people there. Basically, this is a mix between local resources. We have hired employees from Japan directly who came to Canada to help us. We are, this is probably the secret to be open, open mind and be ready to hire the best people every, from everywhere. And do you work remotely? Yeah, we ideally, depending on the position, we are open or not to, or open less. I will say we're not completely close to remote work. For sure, every employee can do some remote work, but we have some employees that are mostly remote. It's it's fit with what I just said. If we would like to, to recruit everywhere, you need to be ready to do that. It's And it's bring some other challenges, remote work, but... We realized in the last two years that it can be feasible. Mm -hmm. And what is your approach of integrating medical device team with ML team with software development team? Is it like the same, like you integrate different software development teams together or it is completely different? No, it's, it is similar. This, it is just a question of synchronizing teams together and be sure that everyone know, understand needs of the other team. It's mostly real when you would like to synchronize electronic team and software team and ML team. This is not so big challenge. This is just to be sure that you have good communication with your between your teams and know what they have to do. Yeah. So it is then it is about hiring right people and having a good culture in the company. Yeah, and be sure that people understand requirements of the, every discipline. If software know the, the limits of electronic and electronics know the limit mm -hmm. of software. Yeah. And in this way you can have good uh, complementary work between teams. Yeah, yeah. So it comes to experience. Yeah, and how big is your team? We are currently 25. We have a large project starting with the, what I just discussed in the next weeks. And we are currently working really hard to increase the size of the team. Mm -hmm. And will you hire only in-house or are you looking for hiring from third-party vendors, software development partners? We currently, we have few subcontractors. Honestly, we clearly prefer to have internal resources for multiple reasons. We are open for third-party vendors in the context of a specific module, for example. But to develop the, the core code of the business, we will certainly more rely on internal resources because this is mainly the, the know-how of the company. Mm -hmm. And I assume that is your thought process why you want to have internal teams just to have keep the kind of know-how and knowledge inside the team, right? Exactly. This is this is exactly right. And this is important for us. A lot of the IP of the company that is valuable for the company is in the hands of those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is your plans for the product distribution? Do you plan to distribute it in Canada or in the U.S. as well? 
as as a, a lot of companies or natural way to go is to go to us just this mm-hmm. is basically of questions of market size and attraction this is probably the first goal the, instead of we is in canada it's sure that we will do some things in canada and try to and have our product cleared in canada but this is just a question that the us market is 10 times the Canadian market, and you need to think about that. It is yeah. mostly the same regulatory work to be approved in Canada and U.S. And we we just talking talk about Canada and U.S. But after that, you can think about Europe. But it is another part of the work to be approved in Europe. This is a, a large market, but we need to start somewhere. We will start probably by the the most interesting one based on market size compared to work need to enter this market, US is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. And can you share what is your go-to market strategy? Will you go to ophthalmology practices or to large hospitals? So what is the plan if you can share? Yeah, this is honestly, we are not at this point for now, but big hospital is probably not the first market for us, probably doctor clinics are probably the, the first place to go for us. Mm-hmm. Who provide specifically that type of services? Exactly, exactly. Hospital, this is sometimes more challenging. This is some kind of device that is fairly easy to sell directly to clinics. And also it's, it's, it's clearly related to the practice of ophthalmology. Ophthalmology is something that is really practiced directly inside of a doctor's clinic and doctor office. And this is important to understand too, that the device we are created, creating is more office-based than uh, OR-based. Yeah, great. And uh, do you already plan, like, do you already plan the, the scaling? So let's say that, I don't know, at some point you will face that you have a lot of demand so do you already have a plan how you would meet that and would work with that in terms of producing devices that is much more easier i think on the software development on the software side but yeah what, what is your plan yeah the the challenge this challenge is not super difficult to address in terms of software because it is yeah. relatively easy to multiply software yeah. it is more challenging when you have hardware on the short term, we're not planning to manufacture the device ourselves. Probably partner with a contract manufacturer or this kind of group can be certainly beneficial for us. Putting together a manufacturing plan for this kind of device is certainly really challenging and costly and probably not our core business. This is why for now, and I can, I'm not saying that it, it will not change, but for now, it's probably partnering with the group for the, the hardware part. Cool. And as for the software, I assume that you have a platform for doctors. Do you have any products for patients as well? Not for now. Not for now. And this is it is really something that will be more an indication for doctors. We are, we are thinking about in future, in the long-term future, some kind of home-based device for diagnosis proposed, but 
I cannot say this is not, this is just ideas, brainstorming ideas, not necessarily something that will be, that we have really good definition. Mm -hmm. Got it. And having 25 engineers in your team, how important do you think are the soft skills to make the work pro productive? And what is your way to maybe evaluate those skills when you recruit people? and maybe increased level of that skill during the work. Yeah, this is, this is a really good point. Evaluating skill, people skills when we are in the hiring process is, is challenging. I'm, I'm doing multiple interviews per week this time. And this is tough. And hiring a, a person is also a, a tough process because you would like to be sure to make the right choice. Sometimes you have a few candidates, you would like to pick the right one. We are focusing on skills for sure. This is important because we have a technical work to do. We are trying to have some kind of technical interview, trying to put the person most as, as possible in the context of the real work. But we are also thinking that person attitude and the, the, the behavior of the person is important to have a right, the right fit. To continue on the, the other part of your question is how we would like to improve those skills is having good fit of the person in the team will make this person benefit as most as possible of the team work and learn from other member of the team. We are also trying to have different levels, junior to senior people, and we are expecting to increase the level of our junior people based on experience of senior. And we, at the end, we are also completely open to have people go to any training that can be relevant for their work and improve the quality of all people. Cool. And I also noticed, noticed some of your works on the ResearchGate portal and also that you have a pattern for uh, TBL processes. Are you still involved in the scientific work? Or you mostly focus on Pulse Medica? Yeah, th this worked because uh, you found this this pattern and I have multiple patterns uh, related to orthopedic because I'm coming from this world before Pulse Medica. I've been in orthopedic companies since uh, 10 years. Uh, it, in the most in the context of this work in orthopedic, I've worked with multiple universities for developing some cutting edge technologies. At Pulse Medica, we don't have precise current collaboration or formal collaboration with university, but we have multiple of our members that mostly for machine learning that are really tied together with some super cutting edge group in machine learning, mostly in the University of Alberta. Does your previous experience help in your current work? Yeah, for sure. You, it way? is always, always a piling experience. What is important is this orthopedic company was also part of this was software medical device. This is where I've created a lot of my expertise, learning also uh, how to bring some product to regulators is certainly uh -huh. understanding the development process is probably what's, what is my expertise now. So to understand the whole process, not just how to 
like develop something, right? But to bring it to the market. Yeah, understanding the process is understanding the process from understanding the market and what the medical device market would like to have. Uh, you will say that what is the relationship between orthopedic market and ophthalmology market? Totally, this is totally two different market. But what you learn from one market, you know what you look you need to look at to understand this market. And understanding the process is understanding the market, basically user needs. And after that, how to develop this kind of product and mostly how you can go to the market by the way of regulator, how to approach this process of VNV and preparing documentation, preparing the process, and how also to have a good strategy for the regulator because you can develop the most beautiful product, but if you are not able to go across FDA or any regulator because you... It is too innovative or it is too different or you have a lack of data, you will not be able to touch the market with it. So at the end, you need to understand the regulation process to bring kind of the right product to the market, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because some companies failed just because they are trying to bring I will say this is this is bad to say that, but they are trying to to bring too much innovation at the time. The medical device is a question of baby steps, small innovation, piling some few small innovation one after the other is you will touch and go to the market probably quicker than trying to do a big hit with disrupting innovation. Yeah, my assumption that a thought process of a reg regulator is to mitigate risk. That is kind of their focus. And as an entrepreneur, as an innovator, your thought process and your aim is to innovate something new that would completely disrupt the current, how things work, right? So, and here you need to find that balance between those two things. Uh, um, you're totally right. This is exactly that. And what I'm saying all the time to people is there are two, for the same product, you have two sale pitch, one sale pitch for the marketing people that you are the most beautiful, innovative product ever. And for the same exact product for regulator, you, the sale pitch will be, you are, we are the most boring product ever. We are doing exactly the same thing as uh, others, but this is exactly the same product. This is just the making the the right message for the right person but yeah. this is why you you cannot you cannot be the super cutting edge technology super innovating technology and convincing fda that you are a boring product the the question is you just need to have just enough of innovation to make difference on the market and make difference for patients yeah we are the same like them but we are more boring and more safe <laughs> exactly, exactly that. But the, you are totally right. FDA is caring about patient risk and efficiency. You need to put their shoes and understand their way to think. And uh, as a startup that maybe didn't have experience dealing with regula regulators, what do you think is the method how they can understand what would work for regulators? This is not so easy, but this is because it's, it can change from product to product. That's clear. It's 
it's really to analyze the data you have to demonstrate that our, our strong is the demonstration of safety and, and be sure to have good rationals about what you are putting in front of FDA. This is, but this is difficult to make a rule around that. Every product will be different. And it, it is also depends on how different you are from what is currently in the market. And possibly sometime, one strategy is to say, okay, we have this big project, but how we can cut it in pieces to have just small improvement and demonstrate some small improvement and go multiple times to regulators by demonstrating small improvements. Mm -hmm. So to show real life evidence of that the technology works. Yeah, and this the real life evidence is important to be exposed to the market sooner than later for a product. This is really important because as an as an engineer, we can develop super nice product, but forgetting a lot of things that the real market will tell you. You can we can work and we are always working with the doctor as advisors, but this is a small sample set of doctors. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so we are coming to the end of an interview and uh, that is maybe the last question I would like to ask from, from this section, from this set of questions. So it is clear that every person who was a manager or was involved in the scientific work and then became engineer manager so each person has its own his own path so what what kind of advice can you give to those who want to become good skilled engineering manager um, sense of engineering work or scientific work i think the first one and probably the most important one is don't be scared to have the best people around you and having the best people around you will right away bring you to delegate some stuff and delegate some knowledge and be sure that you, you don't know exactly everything, and, but you have the best with you to know that. For example, if I have a super skilled machine learning engineer, I'm not the, a super skilled guy in machine learning, but I have with me in my team the best one. And, and this is how we can have a good team and I have the same thing for electronic, I have the same thing for software, I have the best one. But you as a manager, you can be humble and say, okay, I don't know everything, but you have the best with me to, and they know. Yeah, so basically to improve your hiring and, and recruitment skills as well as your ability to delegate and trust to people you work with. Exactly. Exactly that. And after that, when you have the best, always the best you can have, they, these guys will also hire the best for their junior engineers because you, these guys will not be scared to be not the best guy. And this is, again, why attitude is really important. Yeah, and that creates this kind of culture, right, that grows. So once you have your example of how you hired people, then people who hire 
other people, they kind of cultivate the same culture. Yeah, and I think people and hiring people that put the team before them in terms of priority for the company and be sure that they will understand the, the success of the team is more important than their own success because the success of a single person, mostly when you have multiple technology projects, you can be super successful and having super nice electronic for your project. But if you don't have the optic, you don't have the software, you have nothing. And in largely after that, if you go outside of development, if you have a super nice project and super nice product, but you don't have super nice people to sell it and put it on the market, you know, a good strategy to go there, you have nothing in terms of business. This is a teamwork. And this is why having people putting the team in front of everything is the most important thing. Yeah, there is also a question how to show that bigger picture to specialists. And I think there is a responsibility of a manager because often engineers are focused on their craft, right? On writing code or making models or making medical devices. And they are good at that. And like that is kind of their passion. But then when they work in a team, they need to see a bigger picture and have see in a bigger picture they understand value of other team members and that's how they come to that thought as you mentioned that the team is in front and like they are priority uh, yes so to value the team basically exactly and and at pulse medica we we have three great chance to have our founder ceo is a nice person is the the one of the best I've seen to be able to put this culture inside the, of the company of bringing a nice team together. And this is right for engineer. We have also fantastic people on our doctor advisory board, fantastic group of people on our board of director. And this is mostly who, I, who is quality to put uh, all these people together and be make it the best. And also is also someone that is helping a lot to put a lot of transparencies and in the company and having people uh, knowing the right thing about the company help them to be really involved inside of the project. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think that we covered a lot. So I would like to ask you several short questions on the personal level, I would say, we call this exercise a rapid fire round. So what is the latest movie that impressed you the most? Honestly, this is not a, a, a big movie, but the, the last Top Gun was interesting. Just this is probably a question I've saw the first one when I was younger, and it's probably a return to the, the child part of my life. The, the, what the name of the movie? Top Gun. Ah, Top Gun. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. And what recently? your favorite uh, book? Yeah, recently I have limited time for reading, but I'm mostly reading some technical books. One of the latest, latest one is about software embedded validation. That was interesting because this book is giving really nice key for people or company who would like to start this process. And could you elaborate on this? Like, w w what is specifically about? 
<clears throat> yeah, if this this book is giving some good advice about okay, you are a company, you would like to you have a medical device a software, and you would like to start your validation process. Where do you need to start when when you have no experience? And this book is a really interesting one, giving good initial thought about okay, what is the process, and this is what you, the guideline you need to follow. Got it. And what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? The, the one I preferred is you're young, you have no some engagement in life, be part of a startup because this is the, a nice place to learn. Sure, you need to have the, the good mindset, but we, you will learn so much inside of a startup, be, have access to various responsibility. If you are willing to try new stuff, uh, startups always have new challenges. You just have to raise your hand and go ahead and take the challenge. And I did that in the past. I was basically in the orthopedic company. I was hired as a software engineer to develop the core engine for image processing. But after 18 months in this company, I was starting doing design of clinical trial protocols, do mechanical designs and lead the mechanical engineering team. This is something, it is more difficult if you are hired inside of a, a big organization, but you need to be comfortable to be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's precisely said. Yeah, thank you. I think that is perfect way to end today's interview. So thank you for sharing a lot way how you explain how different teams work, work together was valuable as well as the process, how important it is to understand the mindset of regulator if you want to bring a product that requires that on the market is, is really beneficial for those who, who are starting their journey. Before we finish, what is the best way to get in touch with you if people want to connect? By the way, of uh, the website of the Pulse Medica is one way, but also people can try to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always pleased to get new connection there and meet with new people there. Cool. Yeah, all the links will be in the resources section as always. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, listeners. And we'll catch up on next episodes. Thank you very much, Ivan. Mm-hmm.